Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom! Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! How are you? I'm doing very well. Are you ready to begin another grand experiment? I am very ready. Let's go! All right, let's give it a whirl. Let's do Hello, everybody, in the whole world, and in America, and Texas, and Ireland, and Russia, and Los Angeles, and New York, and everywhere you're listening from. We're so glad you're here. Yes. Uh, hello to everyone uh, all over this great country of ours, all over this wonderful world. Um, if you cannot tell already, Mom uh, has a cup of coffee in her hands, and she is ready to go. <laughs> Um, we are so uh, appreciative to all of you uh, listeners out there. Uh, and uh, for those of you, if this is your first episode of History in Retrograde, we're doing things a little differently with this episode. So some of you uh, who've been listening for a while may recall uh, last season uh, we did an episode uh, following uh, our viewing of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, uh, where we went over uh, some of the different uh, <laughs> things uh, that those characters may have been. Uh, so the astrological placements that uh, Khan, Nunyan Singh, or Captain Kirk, or Mr. Spock may have had. And uh, we thought we'd do a little bit of a similar episode this time uh, with a classic Hollywood, maybe the uh, best Hollywood movie ever made, uh, Casablanca. Uh, so a few days ago, uh, we uh, watched this film together, and the characters in the film uh, are so well-written and so... Uh, uh, well-performed, uh, mm-hmm. that even in just the brief uh, hour and 40 minutes that you have with them, there's so much that you learn about uh, even minor characters. Uh, so we thought we'd do a similar episode uh, where uh, Mom uh, can uh, kind of give her thoughts on what the astrological placements may have been uh, for uh, these characters, these fictional characters. Uh, and uh, I'll go through and give some of the historical background about the film and uh, about uh, some of the actors and and all that good stuff. Uh, so, uh, Mom, uh, where do you want to start off with? I'm very happy to start wherever you want to start. And I think that this is a film that if you have not seen this film, you must see this film. There is so much going on in this film with the characters and the script and and the 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 sets and everything it 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 is there's a reason why it's you know in the top films mhm uh and we're we're not going to give you the the complete summary there there's uh i mean i'm sure spoilers will come out on this uh almost 90 year old film um <laughs> but uh we uh are not going to give you the whole synopsis you you need to see this film if you have not already. And if mm-hmm. you've seen it, see it again. It is mm-hmm. um, one of the greats. Um, mm-hmm. So, But things will be uh, revealed about uh, the plot as we go through all of the characters. Yeah. And uh, I think that we'll start uh, with uh, the, some of the minor characters. Because as I said, even in just the brief time that we have with them, they are so well written and performed that you uh, really get to know some of these guys. So uh, I think uh, on the bottom of the list that you can see at imdb uh will be the bartender um and uh, <laughs> uh even in just the short time that we had with him 
um, Sasha, uh, who I believe is either uh, Polish or French. He's one of the refugees in Casablanca who's working at uh, Rick's Cafe American. Uh, so, Mom, you had some thoughts on, on Sasha. I did. I I have to say that he is, <laughs> well, I mean, I they're all really amazing characters, but I do love Sasha. And I do believe that it does say he's Russian in the film. I cannot remember for sure, but I think he is Russian. But I have decided that his character is a Pisces because he is very much in love with the blonde. What is her character? She's up there. I think Yvonne. Do you know which one she is? Is it Yvonne? Mm -hmm. I think it is Yvonne. He is very much in love with her. And she is very much in love with Rick. And I'm not sure if for her it is so much that she's in love with Rick as that she cannot conquer Rick because she has Sasha on a silver platter, right? She really could have him. And he, because he is very water sign, very um, uh, devoted to her. He tells her, I love you over because and over I love again. You. Yes. He's very, he's very open with his emotions for her. And he is uh, a bit quirky. So he could have some Aquarius aspects in his chart, but I feel that I have decided that Sasha is a Pisces. He is clearly the bartender, and I'm sorry, Neptune and um, libations. <laughs> so um, he's a Pisces. Okay. And uh, <laughs> then we've got Yvonne. Uh, or, uh, yeah. The, so uh, any ideas about her? Uh, yes, I do. I've decided that she very well, her character could be uh, cancer uh, or she has cancer placements because she really, really loves Rick. And she is not necessarily, she is kind of a uh, negative cancer uh, for all of you wonderful, beautiful, nurturing cancers out there. This is not the girl that would represent you. <laughs> This young lady is uh, very open with her love for Rick. <laughs> and in order to hurt Rick the way that Rick has hurt her, she chooses to do the thing where the uh, woman will try to make the man jealous by being with other men, which just makes her look worse, you know? So bless her heart, you know, and, and even so, I mean, even with Sasha seeing her do this, he does not care. He's devoted he will do whatever she needs. He's all about her. But I do think that she has cancer placements because she she cannot really I want to say that she's not completely in control of her emotions. You know, she she's she's beyond the point where other people would say, we need you to be a little more dignified in this situation and not be so emotional. So that's why I say this is a neg negative side of cancer because positive side of cancer is so loving and nurturing and will make you brownies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I uh, need more coffee. Yeah. Uh, so let's, uh, I think I, I want to save Sam for a little bit later. I, I think, Honestly, Sam is almost a lead in in mm -hmm. uh, uh, in this movie, uh, mm -hmm. so we'll get to to Sam the piano player in a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. But let's go to Carl, uh, who uh, Mom fondly remembers as Piggy. Uh, from <gasps> that Gentleman. is incorrect, though. Oh, 
That is incorrect. I went and looked it up, and he he is not Piggy. Oh, okay. uh, the gentleman who played Piggy is a British actor, oh. and Carl is uh, German, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I, um, I know Carl from uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Me too, uh, yes. Beca- because Carl is one of the financiers, and he goes, uh, uh, "Why is uh, why is the other man's wife's money better than my wife's money?" Yes, uh, exactly. So, so that that I know him for sure was in. Um, Yankee Doodle Dandy, which is yes. one of my all-time favorite films. Yes, this is a brilliant character actor. He is so wonderful and so lovable and so perfect in everything I've ever seen him in. I think he's in a sh- at least one Shirley Temple movie. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, I have decided that Carl is actually the good cancer. Okay. Carl is very, he's, he's worried about Rick. He is so, um, uh, nurturing to the patrons of Rick's place. He wants to make sure they have drinks and, and he's an excellent waiter and he is very concerned with the people around him. He has a true heart of gold. And I see this as the epitome of cancer being really nurturing, you know? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, well, uh, then, and it's, it's amazing how short of a time he's in the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. but in that time, Peter Laurie as Ugarte, uh, <laughs> makes, uh, quite the impression. Uh, yes, he does. so, uh, I, you know, I, Peter Laurie is one of the great character actors. Uh, you, you, you'll recognize him most likely, if nothing else, from Looney Tunes cartoons. They, mm-hmm. they would put him in. He has the bulging eyes and he, he, He's from Hungary, so he has a, a sort of thick accent. Reek, mm-hmm. Reek, you must help me, Reek. Um, yes. So, uh, any any thoughts on on Peter Laurie's character? Well, first of all, you have to love Peter Laurie. All right, he's brilliant. I mean, even the even when you get down to the person in this film who has the smallest part, whatever part they have, it's so huge. This film represents. There are no small parts. There are only small actors. And there are no small actors in this film. Mm-hmm. None. Not one. Even the extras are on point. Yeah. I mean, you can, when you watch this so many times, you see this. But Peter Laurie's character, I decided while we were watching this, he is a dark side Gemini man. <laughs> He's really got uh, a, a, a magical ability with words and convincing. Mm-hmm. And uh, although he was only in the film for a short amount of time, I believe his salesman skills and his vernacular uh, probably uh, took him a long way to till he got to this point. And um, I've deemed him Dark Side Gemini Man. Uh, then let's uh, move on. Um, again, another great Hollywood character actor, Sidney Greenstreet as mm-hmm. Senior Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, uh, not so much of a villain in this film, although he does ha- in other films play uh, very uh, good villains because you almost like him, even though he's mm-hmm. doing dastardly things. Um, mm-hmm. But not so much. He's just kind of uh, there and uh, maybe taking a little bit too much. Uh, uh, from shipments and things, uh, and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, other than that, uh, just uh, wearing the fez and everything that you would want him to be in this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, originally, when I was watching him, and it still might be true, 
I, I sort of put him in the category of a more dark side Aquarian because he's sort of totalitarian in his ways. Like he, it doesn't bother him that there are laws or rules or any of these things because he's just going to do what he wants to do and he is in charge. And, but then there's this Taurus side to him that is a very business. You know what I mean? And in this film, he is a very large man and that would be Taurian and, and have that Venusian love of the best wines and the best foods and the best pastries and the best of everything. You know what I mean? So it's very possible that he has uh, Taurian placements, Taurus placements, because he's really, he never gets the downside on the business deal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he's not being manipulative with it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's just doing business. It's yeah. just business, you know? So I'm leaning that he has more tourist placements, but there might be some Aquarius in there. Okay. Uh, any thoughts on on Major Strasser, the, the real antagonist of the film, the uh, Nazi major uh, who is uh, determined to keep Victor Laszlo uh, in Casablanca or uh, have him killed while he's there? Uh, any thoughts on him? Um, are we discussing Conrad Veidt? Yes. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Um, so, yes, I believe... Uh, in watching his performance, that his character is definitely has Capricorn placements. And they are Capricorn placements that are dark. All right. Um, he, I believe, is in desperate need of control. All right. And dark side Capricorn placements must have control. They want, and they also have a, Okay, uh, let me just <laughs> preface this by saying, hi, Capricorn sisters and brothers out there. <laughs> I have a Capricorn moon, so I am not in any way... Um, uh, We're not calling to... all Capricorns Nazis. Right, I'm not calling all Capricorns this. I'm just saying that there are good Capricorn placements and, and how you are when you're a Capricorn, and there can be cruel, like like literally cruelty, like cruelty... This, this, this level of control that makes you cruel. All right. Meaning, and it comes from that being a Capricorn who is very insecure. Okay. Needing to have control of the outside because you don't have control of the inside. You know what I mean? So it seems that there are things in the film that lead you to believe that he did do cruel things to Ugarte, you know? Mm -hmm. He's missing now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's not good. And you know it came from him. Mm-hmm. So his character uh, likes to throw his weight around in a way that is, um, he portrays his character. Well, he, he does it perfectly. Of course, he's an excellent actor. Everyone is. But I, I believe he has quite a few Capricorn placements. And... Uh... A running theme throughout the film is characters as representations of the countries that they are from. Because mm-hmm. Casablanca is this mixing pot of all these different cultures, and you have refugees coming from Hungary and France and Czechoslovakia. And uh, Conrad uh, Veit, as playing Major Strasser, is um, the representative of the Third Reich. Uh, he mm-hmm. is the representative of, uh, of Nazi Germany. And mm-hmm. uh, Nazi Germany was all about control, 
but all of this control and all of this uh, 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 going in and, and doing horrible things coming from this place of insecurity uh, because of how Germany was treated after World War I uh, mm-hmm. and all of the uh, uh, stripping away of the military and the huge uh, prices that they had to pay um, uh, because they caused the war, at least that's what the Allies said, um, mm-hmm. then uh, that led to this huge complex complex and insecurity in the German mindset, which then uh, was uh, uh, capitalized upon in a horrible way by Hitler and the Nazis, uh, mm-hmm. and to an, a very efficient way into where they nearly conquered the world. Um, and you can see all of that insecurity leading to control and brutality all encapsulated in him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's excellent. I mean, his performance is excellent. They are I just can't get over how even the smallest performance is so spot on. Uh, Well, now we are getting into some of the heavy hitters. I think (laughs) let's go ahead and talk about Sam, uh, the Uh the piano player um, played by Dooley Wilson. Uh, Really, uh, uh, you know, Rick's sidekick, Humphrey Bogart's sidekick, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the one who plays as time goes by. uh, Mm -hmm. The the quote is often misquoted as play it again, Sam. Uh, That's actually not how it's said in the film. Mm -hmm. Um, It's play it, Sam. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, the just, w- I mean, we're running throughout the film and, and such a dynamic performance by Dooley Wilson. Mm-hmm. Well, he, of course, is brilliant and talented even beyond because he is not only an extremely talented actor, he's a wonderful musician and singer. So I um, have lovingly deemed him a Leo. Because he has all of the beautiful qualities of the sunshine of a Leo. His heart is huge. He is concerned about everyone. You can tell that his heart is hurting for Rick and his heart hurts for Ilsa. And he is devoted to Rick, which is very Leo to be devoted. You know what I mean? You, they're so devoted as friends. And, um, it, it's just, uh, beautiful to see him uh, perform with the nuances that he's working with, you know, in in his character. And I believe I'm going to go ahead and give him tourist placements, uh, possibly in his first house. He might not have tourists rising. He might have, uh, I don't know. I almost want to say Gemini rising, but Uh, I believe there are tourist placements in his first house and that's giving him his voice, right? Mm -hmm. And his musical ability. Uh, well, uh, let's get into the big four. Uh, (laughs) and I I think, uh, let's start with Victor Laszlo. Uh, so, uh, Paul, uh, Henry, uh, as Mm -hmm. Victor Laszlo, uh, Mm -hmm. this, uh, uh, troublemaker uh, for for the Third Reich, uh, this mm-hmm. uh, freedom fighter uh, who mm-hmm. fights with his words mostly and and uh, printing out the truth of the brutality of the Third Reich. Mm-hmm. He is a Czech uh, refugee um, sent to multiple concentration camps um, and able to escape. And I, I think at one point they even call him the Fox. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, now he is uh, in Casablanca trying to escape uh, to America. Uh, Mm -hmm. So uh, what do we think of him? 
All right. For, for uh, Mr. Victor Laszlo, I think that um, he, for me, Victor Laszlo is the superhero of the film. He is the hero. He is the man fighting for freedom. He is the man fighting for what's right. And his cause is his life. Humanity is his cause. So I have deemed him Aquarius. I believe that he is everything that is good and right about Aquarian people who are fighting for humanity and using their intellect in order to fight for the freedom of the people and what is best for the people. And uh, I think that he plays his character extremely well. We can get into the more um, more of the dynamics between these uh, four characters. I guess you want me to introduce them first, but um, there's a lot that tells me, you know, that that Aquarian makes sense for for to me that for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's get into one of the greatest roles, one of the greatest, uh, I mean, all, of all time in Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. Well, Claude Rains, anytime mm-hmm. you see a movie, uh, The Invisible Man, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Uh, mm-hmm. There are so many films. Claude Rains always brings in great performances. And uh, here uh, is no exception. Uh, Captain uh, Louis Renault, uh, mm-hmm. Claude Rains, uh, he is uh, the representative of Vichy France. So that mm-hmm. is the portion of France that is fascist. Um, the the uh, fascist government that came into being uh, after the Nazis came in and invaded Paris. They divided France in half, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, the the southern portion got to still exist as, as its own fascist country, and mm-hmm. uh, also got to keep the. Um, uh, colonies uh, in Africa, such as Casablanca, and uh, so Claude Rains is playing Captain uh, Louis Renault, uh, who mm-hmm. is uh, in charge of Casablanca. Yes, and he is—he plays him brilliantly. I there's—I don't even have enough words in the vocabulary to describe these actors and the way that they portray their characters and how dedicated they are to every moment that they're in character. Um. So Captain Louis is always spitzballed. He is always in, when I see him walk into the frame, his costume, his hair, everything is perfect. All right. I see no flaws in anything in his appearance. His demeanor is so fast. His mind is working so fast and so clear. It's like a well-oiled machine. He picks up on every nuance. He picks up on every single thing and answers it immediately. I have deemed him Virgonian. He is very Virgonian. He is all of the wonderful things about Virgo, even though he is shady. (laughs) He does it so well because I would assume that for a person with uh, as many Virgo placements as I think he probably has in his character, that he sees the flaws and that they are flawed. So why not? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why not make the best of this? You know, and uh, he is, uh, he's loyal to himself, mm-hmm. uh, but he has wiggle room. As opposed to um, uh, Signor Ferrari, uh-huh. 
who would be loyal to himself with no wiggle room. <laughs> right. <laughs> Major Heinrich Conrad Veidt. Yeah. Why are you're saying a different name than Major Heinrich? Major Strasser. Okay, because you see here it says Major Heinrich. Major Heinrich Strasser. Oh, I don't see that online. Okay, so we're looking at the IMDb. If Since you cannot see what we're looking at, we're looking at the IMDb page so that I can go through and remember everyone's name. But um, this man is not even loyal to himself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This man probably despises himself. That's that's the the darkest side Major of Capricorn. Yes, that's the darkest side of Capricorn you can go to. There is a side to Capricorn that is so so dark that it would be very rare for people to see it or recognize it, but it, it can be, it, it does live there. But Captain Louise is very, um, uh, very mercurial. He, even the way he moves, the way he holds his body, if you notice that. Mm -hmm. And, and like when, when you put, when you start interacting with the characters, so you have uh, at the cafe, uh, uh, Captain Renault is talking to Major Strasser uh, and the talking about Vichy France and talking about the politics. And uh, Captain Renault says, um, uh, I blow wherever the winds uh, are taking me. And right now mm -hmm. the prevailing winds are coming uh, from the Third Reich. Mm -hmm. And uh, Major Strasser goes, uh, well, what happens if they blow the other way? And Captain Renault goes, oh, well, you're not possibly admitting that the winds could ever go the other way, are you? Uh, That's an so, excellent answer. Yeah. That's uh, fast. Mm -hmm. And it came, you know, it's in the script, but the way he delivers it is is mercurial. That's how fast a Virgo can think. That's how fast their minds work. Gemini's also do it, you know? It's just that when you're dealing with a Virgoni and you're dealing with where Gemini's can riff, you know what I mean? A Gemini can riff and they can improv and they can move around. A Virgo Mercury, a person that is mercurial in the Virgo sense is going to be more earthy with it. So they need more of a line to walk. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's walking his own line. He knows all the answers because he's already thought about it because people who have Gemini and Virgo never stop thinking. Their minds don't turn off even when they're sleeping. So there's that. <laughs> um. Well, let, let, let's get into the major too. Let's talk about <laughs> Humphrey Bogart. Let's talk All about right. Rick. Um, mm -hmm. This is, um, I, I'll get more into the history behind the making of the film in a little bit, but mm -hmm. I will say that this is, uh, Humphrey Bogart was not a star. Humphrey Bogart, mm -hmm. in fact, um, Michael Curtiz, the director of the film, uh, had to fight to have Humphrey Bogart in this role. At one point, they had cast Ronald Reagan as uh, Rick, wow. uh, which I just think, well, uh, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Uh, I just think that would have been a very different movie. Um, <laughs> here's looking at you, kid. Um, but uh, uh, Humphrey Bogart was known as sort of the second-rate gangster bad guy. Uh, he was not a star. Uh, he was this, uh, he, in B-movies even. Um, he kind of came into his own. The Maltese Falcon was made the year before. Mm -hmm. um, but this is the movie that really cemented him. Oh, he can be a leading man. Um, and uh, he's every bit of that leading man and very complex and nuanced um, portrayal uh 
as Rick uh, in Casablanca, who is uh, the owner of Rick's Cafe American. He is um, uh, really the representative of America, which I'll talk a little bit more uh, in a second. Um, but really uh, the center of the story, it all revolves around his decisions and, and what he does. And uh, as uh, Ilsa says, uh, he has to do the thinking for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's really uh, the, the, the center of the universe of, of this film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Rick Blaine is a very tortured soul. Uh, he's weary. He has been through whatever his character development is before he comes to Morocco, before he goes to Paris. Mm-hmm. All right. So we learn. Um, and if you have not seen this film, you might not want to hear what we're going to get into next, but uh, definitely come back and listen to it after you've seen the film. Um, he is torn and uh, sort of splayed open already, right? He seems like a character, even when you see him in Paris, that is in pain, you know? He's already in pain. And I'm talking he's, about he's forced out of his country for mm-hmm. a reason that we do not know. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, as uh, Claude Rain says, uh, I like to think that you killed the man. It's the romantic mm-hmm. in me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and so uh, he's forced out of America. We mm-hmm. know uh, that he has this past of fighting for freedom and fighting mm-hmm. against uh, the fascists in Spain and in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the time he gets to Paris around uh, 39, 40, mm-hmm. um, he's already sort of given up on all that freedom fighting and uh, is really just trying to live a life to its fullest that he can in Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then uh, all the uh, the Nazis coming in and marching into Paris and uh, he leaves with Sam and they end up in Casablanca and not only the political uh, strife that's going on at the time, uh, but also all of the romantic strife as we find out that he and uh, Ilsa uh, were together uh, during their time in Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, she uh, left him uh, with uh, very little uh, explanation as to what was going on. And that mm-hmm. really hardened him into even more of a cynic than he already was. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to say that due to this situation, whatever happened when he was a patriot, whenever, whatever happened before Paris, whatever happened that made him go deep, dark, you know, pain. It, it tells me this is very Plutonian. This is a man who I have deemed his character has Scorpio and Sagittarius placements. And uh, he could have Venus in Scorpio. He could have Moon in Scorpio. He definitely has issues with women. We learn this because not only of Ilsa, mm-hmm. but also because of, uh, let me see the other. So Madeline? Char- yes, Madeline. So he clearly he has Plutonian <laughs> issues with women, but he travels everywhere, right? He doesn't seem to have uh a preference for staying somewhere even though we don't know what happened to make him leave from where he was and come to Europe that tells me there's something sagittarian going on there and also he owns Rick, he owns Rick's place that's the choice he made mm-hmm. to be benevolent to be bacchus ish to be jupiter 
you see? So that's very Sagittarian. And you'll watch the character play out. He does a lot of things that are very Sagittarian to me. Uh, how he does business, how he interacts with people, how he carries his power. It's very fire and water. And uh, the water comes in because he has this tidal wave of emotions that are being held back by, I don't know, some toothpicks. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all right there. It's just coming out, you know. And um, and I do think that the way he treats Madeline is very dark Scorpio. It's almost like he treats her badly um, to appease something inside himself or to to treat her badly in a way that he might have wanted to treat someone else, which I won't mention that part yet because I don't want to give anything away at this moment. But you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's the, a it's lot. Both a, it's a defensive move uh-huh. on his part uh, so yeah. that he isn't getting hurt again. Uh-huh. Um, but it's also a sort of uh, uh, repeating. Projection. I mean, you, uh-huh. I, I, this is a psychological concept that you yes. repeat the violence that was done to you. Exactly. Uh, so the whole idea of uh, where were you last night? Mm-hmm. That's so far in the past. Mm-hmm. I can't remember and where will mm-hmm. you be tonight that's too far in the future to make plans mm-hmm. um that 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 love them and leave them that's it's counter to his nature and his core but it's uh-huh. this learned behavior of uh-huh. him uh that he uh then goes through um at least the beginning part of the film that way uh-huh yeah absolutely and and it it sets a precedent for whatever has gone on since Paris to here. Yes. You know, because when you see the scenes that are in Paris, which are a flashback, you see a different vulnerability in him. Yes. Uh, something that is is desperately hoping for A, B, C, D, that we feel that this, you know, character who comes into Paris uh, offers, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, well... Uh, let, let's, uh, pull the linchpin on this and, uh, let's talk about, uh, Ilsa Lund, uh, as performed, uh, by, uh, Ingrid Bergman, um, one of, uh, the most beautiful actresses, uh, ever, uh, Swedish, uh, this is, uh, one of her first films ever, uh, in Hollywood, um, and, uh, a very, uh, compelling, uh, uh, portrayal of uh this uh, young woman who was uh who is married to victor laszlo this great superhero uh freedom mm-hmm. fighter uh who has this affair uh with rick and paris uh while she believes uh that her husband is dead in a concentration camp then finding out that he is uh, not dead and that he needs her mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, she leaves rick um with very little uh, explanation or notice uh, and uh then uh they meet each other again in casablanca and mm-hmm. Uh, all the rest of the film uh, happens then. Uh, so, uh, what are your thoughts on Ilsa? <laughs> well, Chandler, you already <laughs> know what my thoughts are on Ilsa, but I want to preface what I'm about to say with this. From what I understand, Ingrid Bergman was 19 years old. That's incorrect. She was 26. 
Oh, okay. The age difference is 18 years between the two. <gasps> That's what it is. Okay. Well, that information was given to me by your sister. Yes. I still, I'm convinced she has not watched the film. She just says that she has. She went with us. So that she She was with us. I don't, I don't know. I I don't (laughs) believe that she was, I don't think she was paying attention. Well, Uh, I still say that she doesn't know what she's talking about um, (laughs) because she's uh, got her own thing going on. Um, But uh, no, there's an 18 year age difference. Okay, so that's what it is. All right. Well, that that's a lot. Also, even when you're 26, I mean, I but 26 in 1943, you're a woman. That that's um, you're an adult. Well, um, I mean, people were getting married at like 13, 14, right? Yeah, I mean, Jerry Lee Lewis was marrying 13-year-old cousins <laughs> oh, no. in the 50s. Great uh, balls so, of fire. <laughs> so, yeah, things were a little different. <laughs> okay, so, well, regardless, whether you're 19 or you're 26 or you're 77, um, Ingrid Bergman portrays this character w- immaculately. All right. So I want to preface what I'm going to say with that. Because my view of Casablanca is not the average view. I have a little bit different um, perception of this. The average view being that this is one of the greatest romances (laughs) ever put on celluloid. Uh, that's what the average view of the film is. Yes. Um, I, you know, and uh, looking uh, at it uh, myself, uh, I never took it as being one of the greatest romances. I honestly didn't think that the romance was the biggest part of the movie. Right. Um, but um, uh, I, I, I know that that I am never going to be able to look at the film the same way again. I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> a- after, after hearing your take on, on Ilsa. Well, I apologize. I apologize in advance for this. If my opinion is disagreeing with, you know, this greatest love story ever told, because I think the greatest love story ever told is the princess bride. So there it is. Also the notebook, but hey, these are my opinions and that's all they are. They're just me saying what I think. Everybody has a right to whatever they think. So I personally see this character differently than maybe a lot of people do. I see her as a person who, as you've said, she is trying to survive. All right. She is trying to survive. So We don't know how old this character was when she met Victor Laszlo. We do know that she met Victor Laszlo as a young woman at a friend's house where there was a gathering of people who were of like mind. Correct? Yes. Okay. So clearly Laszlo is older than her, maybe closer to Rick's age, you know? Mm -hmm. So these are older men to her, and she is clearly gorgeous and beautiful. And her demeanor is very, very, very Venusian, Venusian, all right? She comes across to me as Venus rising, a Libra, Libra rising, all right? Her behavior represents good and, I mean, the light and dark side of Libra, it also represents the light and dark side of Scorpio, in, in my opinion. 
and also the light and dark side of Capricorn. So I see several different things going on with this character. All right. I have issue with some of the things that this character does. And I have issue because I like to think of myself as a person who is forthright as they can be in a relationship, even if you are not, um, you know, even if you're in a relationship, you're in a commitment. Okay. So she is in a commitment with Laszlo, right? They are married and in the film, are we going to, are we going to go into this now? Or yes. are we? Okay. So in the film, it is said that later Paris is a flashback. It is a flashback of a relationship that she has with Rick. All right. Now I find difficulty with this because if I were her, I would not have been in a place where I could have met Rick. And it doesn't matter what my relationship was with Laszlo, because in this relationship, she does respect him. This is not a situation where he's been abusive to her. He's a narcissist. None of these things. He's good to her from what we see, correct? Yes. He's kind to her. He loves her. All right? But so but, well, we, he, we're talking about how Ilsa and Rick meet. They meet after... She believes and has been told that her husband, Victor Laszlo, is dead in a concentration camp. Okay, but I want to go a little bit before that. Okay. We discussed that she may not know what exactly goes on in a concentration camp. But let's say Laszlo is just a friend. Okay? I mean, it's just your friend, not even your husband or someone that you should deeply respect and care for, all right? Because they're not mean to you. They are, they, it may be, maybe Laszlo pays more attention to the cause than he does to her, all right? Maybe with these placements, the dark side of these placements need a lot of attention. They need to be constantly, um, mm, uh, emotionally tweaked. All right. Something like that, where they need to, they need this. And, and a lot of people, male and female in all realms of whatever, you know, you identify with some people just need, they crave it. Right. And clearly Laszlo gives a lot of attention to the cause. So maybe in this situation, she was resentful that, you know, maybe she doesn't even realize she's resentful. But if someone that you care about goes to a concentration camp, we're going to have some problems. We're not going to be okay with that. We're not going to be in a good humor. We're not going to be ready to go on the town. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just don't see that. So with that said, we find out that not only had Laszlo been in a concentration camp, but just weeks, weeks before she goes to wherever she met Rick, which seems to be in a bar, she finds out that Laszlo has been murdered in, I believe it's an escape attempt, correct? Yes. Okay. So from my perspective, I believe that this woman should be gravely grieving. She'd be, she, she should be in deep grief. She should not be looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> but wow. there's Ilsa. 
She's out on the town. She's gorgeous. She's got probably Libra rising. She's looking like Venus, dressed to the nines. And she meets Rick. And Rick is very broken. Rick is a broken man. Rick, the last thing Rick needs in his life is Ilsa, because Ilsa is all about Ilsa and what she needs to fulfill herself. All right. Rick, I believe, is in a place where what he really needs is someone to help put him back together. He needs someone. <laughs> he needs someone with Chiron in the seventh house. This is what this man needs. But instead, he gets Ilsa, who's all about Ilsa and what Ilsa wants and what Ilsa wants to do. And Ilsa, they both have in the film, they have apparently this pact that they've made that they're not going to talk about their past. They're not going to talk about it. But when you see the scenes in Paris, she is full on, like in, in a very romantic state with Rick weeks after she hears about Laszlo. Now, maybe my placements make me too loyal, probably even to people who have been bad to me. Yes, loyal to a fault. Exactly. So I, I can be loyal to a fault. And we all know that's true. <laughs> we all know that's true. Um, but I see this as a great disservice to Rick. And the way that she does what she does, and I'm speaking of the character, because Ingrid Bergman plays this character Brill I, I don't want to say brilliant so many times that we turn it into a drinking game, but she is, I mean, even the most, I mean, just a look, just a blink, just, just how she cocks her head. Everything tells me what this character is doing, you know? And I feel that when she finds out that Laszlo is alive, it's not a situation where She's gleeful and she's guilty of her behavior. She just takes it in stride. Like, well, I'm going to write a note to Rick and I'm going to go be with Laszlo. And she doesn't ever mention anything to Laszlo. He asks her at one point, is there anything I should know about? And she says, no. Me personally, first of all, I wouldn't have... <laughs> I wouldn't have been at the bar. I wouldn't have met Rick. And if I had found out that Laszlo was alive, I would have probably broken my legs trying to get to this person who I admired, even if she's not head over heels in love with him. But again, this plays on ego. Is it her ego that tells her she wants to be with the superhero? Are you following all these <laughs> underlying plots? plots that I have, you know, because then she gets attention for being with the superhero because a lot of people want to be with the superhero because then they also get some of that limelight. So I'm sorry, guys, if this is <laughs> bursting any bubbles, but it's only my opinion. And uh, it, it's just some some psychological things that I'm seeing play out um, due to probably my own trauma and other deep close friends of mine who have had trauma. I believe that Rick needed someone who was not about their ego. I believe he really needed someone who would nurture him and help him. And what he got was a person who was all about nurturing themselves. And I believe maybe uh, that's what Rick's going to look for, you know, 
is he's looking for more pain. Let's let me find the one that's going to give me more pain to go with my pain that I have right now because of his Scorpio placements, <laughs> you know, but uh, there's a lot. And in my opinion, when she thinks at the end of the film that she's going to be with him and Rick. he put uh -huh, with Rick and he puts her on that plane with Laszlo. Mm, that's a very Scorpio thing to do because a Scorpio plays the long game, right? She cut him to the core. She cut him to the core when she left him because he is not a person. Are you kidding? Sag placements being, being vulnerable like that, trying to control all that Scorpio. That's like, you know, a tidal wave being held back by a pack of toothpicks. And he, he, he opened up completely to her and that's what she did to him somewhere in there is some dark Scorpio that will play the long game. And he, he said, you're going on that plane. <laughs> and that's how I see it. I don't know. I mean, I know I'm seeing probably a whole lot than other people are, and I'm sorry. I apologize profusely. I don't want to, you know, uh, set any fires. This is only my opinion. And this is how I'm seeing it um, from a, a psychological perspective. I think it is very interesting that uh, we have looked at uh, some pretty bad people uh, in our uh, long run uh, on yes. this podcast. And at mm -hmm. every moment, you really try to mm -hmm. say, you know, Muammar Gaddafi, uh, <laughs> uh, has, the good side of this is if mm -hmm. he was like this. And, yeah, and the good side of this would be, but Ilsa Lund, mm -hmm. this is the one that you can see no good. No, that's, that's okay. Go ahead. It is it is all ego and and manipulation on her part. Well, uh, I would just uh, uh, caveat all of this with <laughs> uh, grief. You know how people grieve through things uh, uh, is very different depending on the person. Uh, grief is also a luxury. Uh, when the world is coming to an end, when the Nazis are blitzkrieging across France, um, you the when the world's ending, you find whoever you want you you can, and you get in their arms, and you spend whatever good time you can, and drink champagne, and uh, the, that's that's all. That's one way of handling all of this as the world's ending. Um, I. I uh, I, I'm I, I I'm still uh, flummoxed uh, and <laughs> and can't even put into words uh, all of this because now uh, every time I watch the movie I I will look at her and look at her eyes darting around and uh -huh. and see the the that this is all just manipulation on her part uh, as uh, she manipulates through emotions and pulls a gun out and yes. uh, doesn't tell people and all these things because of yes. some other standard that my mom mm -hmm. thinks that uh, <laughs> this woman should have done. Um, it, it is now a completely different way of uh, looking at the movie. Though I will say uh, it is still unchanged in how much I love the film. It is right. still one of the greatest things of all time. Yes. Uh, and it's still one of the greatest romances of all time. That romance just happens to be between Humphrey Bogart and Claude Rains. <laughs> 
That's absolutely probably true. Louis, okay, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> we all know what they're doing at that desert town that they're escaping to. You're so horrible. Okay, let me let me let me um fine tune this a little bit. I do not think that the character of Ilsa Lund is a villain. All right, I believe that she. This has is her how own- far we've come. This is uh-huh. how far we've come in the discussion that we now have to go. Uh, one of the greatest ingenues in uh, Hollywood history. I'm not saying she's a villain. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is she has the same placements that a villain would have. Okay. No, not necessarily. Because a real villain like like Vlad had really cruel, horrible Capricorn placements. I mean, we're talking about, you know, bad. But Ilsa, Ilsa, her backstory could be she's always been beautiful, all right? People who have always been beautiful expect red carpets. I mean, they can if, if they're, you know, if their ego is a bit out of control. They expect red carpets to be rolled out in front of them. They expect what they want when they want it. And they get it a lot of times. And I'm not, I don't know how to describe this. I'm not saying everyone who's beautiful because everyone is beautiful. But if you understand this, you look at a picture of Ingrid Bergman and you see that she's playing Ilsa and you can assume that the backstory to this is that this person has been beautiful their whole life and and probably has had family and friends, you know, comment on her beauty and da 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 da. I mean, she's with this superhero who is Laszlo, who I've deemed Aquarian because he looks at her and it's like at that moment when he says, is there anything you want to tell me? And she says, no, I believe that if she had told him the truth, he as an Aquarian would have understood the logic of it and forgiven her. But that's not what she does. He sets it up that way. He sets it up as, I've been lonely before. Yes. I I know what it's like to be lonely. Yes. And he already, I mean, you already know what's going on between the two. Yes. Just in the first scene that they're together. Yes. Uh, So uh, he would have been unchanged he's unchanged when they get onto the plane when when uh rick uh tells him that uh, uh that, that we were together and mm-hmm. she tried to pretend that she still loved me and mm-hmm. i let her pretend uh, uh he he still uh keeps her along and, and takes her on the plane. right because i think he is an aquarian and Aquarians see the logic in things. They they are not driven wholeheartedly by their emotions. All right. They have a lot of logic there. But Ilsa goes from flower to flower. It's like whatever Ilsa wants, Ilsa gets, you know? And she <laughs> she goes from she's like, okay, well, Laszlo is a superhero, but so is Rick. Rick has Rick's place. Rick is sort of, you know, one of the kings of the town. You know, she has felt, maybe she felt passion with Rick, all right? Where she felt more um, admiration admiration for Laszlo. But that does not change the fact that she is a married woman and that she can flip back and forth that easy. That's not telling me that this is a person who uses what you have to think about, well, what is right? You know, I'm in this relationship and I'm married. I have a commitment. This is a commitment. And I hear that this person, you know, is in the concentration camp and that they 
died weeks ago. They make it very clear. It is weeks. That means, you know, weeks, <laughs> not months. They don't say months. They say weeks. And she's, she says, one of her lines is, and I was lonely. It's like, I'm sorry, baby. Wait, what? You, you were lonely. Okay. But you don't get to be lonely this soon. <laughs> you know, first you have to think about, you know, all the things, but she, she seems childlike in that way with her emotions, you know, like, well, I'm not getting this. So I'll get that, you know? And so I, I don't, and never have, I've never yeah, seen I, I, this film I, that I, way. I, uh, you you do not have a a sub you do not have an objective view of all of this. You have a very subjective view of all of this, and it's uh, for a, a very interesting uh, a perspective. Uh, so uh, the I I hope that uh, everyone else, uh, if you've watched the film, uh, watch it again, and now that you know Mom's perspective on it, uh, uh, see uh, what your thoughts on Ilsa are. Um, I still maintain uh, as much of a level of objectivity as I can about the whole thing and try and lean a little bit more on her side and all the, you know, the, the problems of three people don't matter to a hill of beans in this crazy world. There's a lot going on with the end of the world and the Nazis taking over everything that I think uh, allows for uh, all, all of these ideas that we might have of loyalty to a partner who's dead and all all these things kind of get mushed around and, and you can forget about them so that you can uh, uh, go on this romp in Paris as the world crumbles at your feet. But whatever. We're, uh, uh, th this is a very interesting perspective. Um, uh, and he, hey, you know what? Mom thinks that a lot of women have the same perspective and can see the same uh, out of Ilsa's uh, intentions. And to that, I say, uh, if if that's true, then uh, she's the first girl boss. She's World War II's girl boss. She's getting hers. She is. Uh, she's getting out of Europe as it's crumbling. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not going to happen with Rick. Rick's going to stay in Casablanca uh, because he's really in love with Captain Renault. Uh, so uh, it's just not going to be a great time. Uh, so she's going to make her way to America. Uh, and Victor Laszlo is her ticket to America. Uh, she's getting away from uh, all that uh, Nazi junk. Uh, she's going to go uh, have hot dogs and watch Yankee games and uh, great stuff happening uh, uh, in North America. So uh, uh, more power to her if she's just uh, uh, hopscotching over these men's hearts uh, as uh, she, she gets the freedom uh, that she wants. This is very uh, true. And I believe a lot of women do understand what I'm saying because they can watch a woman or women that they know manipulate men. And beautiful, I mean, this is really wrong. I, I don't know that I want, because it doesn't have to be classic beauty. It is just a situation where when you think of how men think of women, and I, ladies, this is coming from a female perspective. When you understand that men are very visual and men will look at this particular woman when this other woman would be a million times better for them, but they're looking at that one, you know, and that one is going to do whatever that one wants to do because she knows she can. In this situation, I think Ilsa is a brilliant, wonderful, and I just keep drinking y'all do those shots when I say brilliant, but Ilsa is a femme fatale. She is a femme fatale. She is trying to get everything. And please note, she was going to go to America with Rick. 
She wasn't planning on staying in Casablanca with Rick. She tells Rick, let's take the letters and go to America. Remember? Uh, I, I'm not, uh, maybe I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, that that maybe, uh, maybe, and then that's maybe another manipulation on her part. Mm -hmm. She was going to take the letters and, and go with Victor because she is this, uh, 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 she's going to America no matter what, no matter which one of these poor schmucks is going to take her. (laughs) That's right. Uh, She, uh, is going to go, uh, out to, to Hollywood. She might be looking for a Rockefeller. You don't know what she's doing. Well, uh, <laughs> I think that, that, that now we can all understand why I, I've saved Ilsa uh, for the last <laughs> of, of the cast. Um, uh, there's uh, just a few other things uh, to go over on sort of the, the historical standpoint of the film. Uh, this uh, started out as a stage play. I think it's uh, Everybody uh, Meets at Rick's. Um, and then uh, the rights were bought up. Uh, this was made uh, right as the United States is entering World War II. And uh, Warner Brothers uh, buys it up and uh, they they adapt the script. So the script did not have nearly the, the funny line. There were two, uh, of course, uh, 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 there was a team of writers, and and two of them were actually twin brothers uh, who were both Jewish, and they uh, put a lot of the humor that you see in Casablanca in it. Uh, Then there were other writers that added more of the um, uh, script and and the plot elements, but the film was continuously being rewritten while they were shooting it. And some people can, maybe even a mom, can see uh, that the chemistry between Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman uh, is different. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily classic. Mm-mm. That's because the two hardly spoke to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Humphrey Bogart uh, was at least six inches, maybe even a full, a full foot uh, shorter uh, than Ingrid Bergman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he had to stand on top of apple boxes <laughs> while they dug a trench for her to sit, uh, to, to stand in, mm-hmm. uh, so that they could be eye to eye. Also, they both hated the script. Uh, nearly wow. everyone uh, hated the script, and they—the only lunch they had together uh, was to discuss how they could get out of this crazy picture. Uh, because for everyone who's involved, this is just another Hollywood picture. This is just the factory churning out another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one is making this film with the idea that it's going to be one of the great films of all time. It's just another one of the slate of dozens that Warner Brothers is churning out uh, during the 1940s. Uh, so, uh, it, it, so many different parts come together to make this what it is. Uh, and uh, it would end up uh, winning uh, the Oscars. Uh, it debuts in 1942. Uh, and uh, then in the 1943 Oscars, uh, it wins Best Picture and it wins Best Director for Michael Curtiz. Uh, Curtiz uh, would continue to go on, uh, be one of the great directors of Hollywood history. There are so many great shots uh, uh, in this film and how they're all composed and how all the lighting and everything comes together. Again, I implore each and every one of you, even if you've seen it a hundred times, watch it a hundred and first. It is one of the greats. Um, the... 
uh, other thing, uh, how this ties into history, this comes out um, in 1943, and by sheer luck and happenstance, the people in Hollywood had no idea, but in January of 1943, the Allies invade uh, Northern Africa, and they invade through Casablanca. So Casablanca is on uh, every headline uh, mm-hmm. in the newspaper. At the same time, you can now go see this movie uh, that is titled Casablanca. Later on uh, in the in 1943, there's a great conference between President Roosevelt and Winston Churchill in Casablanca. So again, it's on all of the headlines, and people go and watch this movie uh, to see uh, what life may be like in this very exotic-sounding uh, town. Um, and uh, I, my last little part of history here uh, that I think is is uh, so important and uh, this is not an original idea but uh, it is um, uh, so important to your understanding of the movie is uh, the, the representation that Rick has that Rick is America that mm-hmm. this is the story of how America enters World War II. Uh, you start off with Rick, and he is completely cynical. Um, Rick uh, refuses to sit at anyone's table to have a drink with them. Mm-hmm. That is a representation of American neutrality. We're not getting involved with the English. We're not getting involved with the Germans. Um, all throughout the 1930s, uh, the America had no opinion uh, as uh, Hitler took the Sudetenland and took Austria and all these things. That's Europe. That's their problem. Why was America so virulently neutral? Uh, because it had been burned in World War One because of what America had done in France. Uh, so uh, Rick, having been hurt in France, becomes this hardened cynic just as America after World War One and what happens at the Treaty of Versailles becomes this hardened cynic of a country. Uh, then, as the uh, movie plays out, when uh, Peter Lorre uh, uh, needs Rick's help to hide him to do something, Rick, Rick, do something. Rick mm-hmm. does nothing. He does nothing, and Rick is taken captive. He is taken to jail. And then the next day, uh, Captain Renault is making the joke of, we don't know how we're going to fill in the form, whether uh, he committed suicide or died during a escape. Um, but clearly he probably died in interrogation. Uh, so, mm-hmm. and that's, Rick could have done something and he did nothing. He just mm-hmm. let that play out because he was completely neutral. But then as the film progresses, the first thing that he does is uh, when uh, the refugee, uh, the uh, young woman who is uh, perhaps uh, thinking of uh, entering in uh, some sort of arrangement with Captain Renault, that if she sleeps with him, uh, he will get her and her husband uh, the uh, exit papers to leave for America. And uh, Rick uh, decides that instead of having her go through with that, he's going to intervene. And the way that he does is by Mm -hmm. giving them money. He has the whole gambling thing rigged so that the husband can win the money. What was America's first entrance into the war? It was by giving money to Mm -hmm. the Allies, to Mm -hmm. England, giving war material uh, to the Allied effort. Uh, Then the very next thing, the very next scene is when Victor Laszlo 
inspires the band uh, to play uh, Les Marseillais. Um, so uh, that great scene of the, the French uh, national anthem being played uh, against the Germans who are uh, singing uh, their song, and you have the two competing, and then the French national anthem overcomes, uh, and it's so emotional. Mm-hmm. A lot of that emotion has to do just on a side note with uh, that all of the extras, uh, nearly all of them, are all refugees themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they are all people who have escaped the tyranny of the Third Reich and have come to America. And so now uh, they are reliving this through this movie. Uh, that's why so many of the extras and so many of these small parts are so compelling is because they had lived all of this themselves. Um and and Rick is the one who approves of that. So now words. So America is starting to say words against the Third Reich and, and what's going on. And then it takes you through the end of the film. Uh, in the middle, it, we get this idea that we have uh, we know our time placement. He says it's December 1941. Uh, what time is it in New York? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when America enters the war, December 7th, 1941. So mm-hmm. all of this is happening around the time that America enters the war. And then... Uh, Humphrey Bogart, uh, despite being burned before uh, by Ilsa, despite uh, all of the politics that are going on around him, and that it would be much easier for him to just stay out of it and uh, use the exit papers himself or uh, sell the exit papers uh, to Ferrari. All of these things would be much better for him um, uh, if he was being completely neutral and being completely cynical. But it's all starting to turn, just as it did for the American public getting into 1941 and 2 mm-hmm. uh, and then uh he 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 makes the plan because he knows that Victor Laszlo is going to be this great um speaker for humanitarianism and that he needs to get to America and whether it's because he really truly believes uh that Ilsa and Victor are meant for each other or that Ilsa is truly Victor's muse or uh what mom's opinion might be that he just <laughs> wants to get rid of this hoe um uh he uh makes he makes the whole plan uh for them to get onto the airplane Another just a little bit of trivia of Hollywood trivia that I love is that um, this is all done on sets and uh, that that um, airport, uh, they filmed that scene at the Van Nuys Airport. <laughs> and the plane, they didn't get a real size plane. They had to get a, a, a set. So it's only half of a plane. And uh, in order for it to be seen in the shot, they had to bring it up close for perspective. But then uh, they had to create it small enough so that it could fit in the frame. So so all of the people who are working uh, on the plane, those are little people oh, no. uh, so to give you the idea that they're full size people. And that's a full size plane. Okay. Uh, so some of that great Hollywood trickery uh, happening there. Uh, so uh, then he gave he gives one of the great speeches and then he has to kill Major Strasse. So he actually uh, uh, shoots him. And Victor Laszlo says, uh, welcome back to the fight. This time I know we'll win. That Mm -hmm. is the consummation that now America is in the fight and that uh, uh, America is going to uh, help the allies win against the Nazis. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, it is just so interesting for anyone who who can uh, who finds it hard uh, to see uh, American history and see world history and see that the United States uh, sat out for so long uh, that you while the war begins in 1939 the United States doesn't enter until the end of 1941 and all of this time that the 
Third Reich had done all this evil since 32, and America did nearly nothing. Mm -hmm. This movie really starts to give you some of the perspective on that, and then also why the United States changed and then entered the war. And as we all know now, but they didn't know while they were making the film, uh, wins the war. Um, mm -hmm. While they were making the film, the Nazis were still winning. The first little foothold that they got was at the time that the movie came out in, in January of 43, uh, when the United States uh, starts uh, invading through northern Africa. Um, but it was still a toss-up. Um, the, the war machine, the Blitzkriegs, all of that had uh, been very effective and uh, had done much more damage than uh, what the Germans were able to do in World War One. Um, but uh, all all of that change of heart can all be seen in the movie and especially in how Humphrey Bogart portrays Rick. Right. That's brilliant. And uh, it, just so you know, my little quips about drinking game, if you are doing shots every time I say brilliant, please give your keys to someone who's responsible and do not drive a car. Um, so for I just want to say that if Rick Blaine's character is Scorpio, with Sagittarius placements. A Scorpio, if you do a Scorpio wrong, like you really just do them dirty, they never forget it. They will never, ever, ever forget it. And from what I know and my experience, they will never allow you to get away with it. And they will wait like a spider in a web and they will return the favor. Now, in my theory of what's happening with Rick being a Scorpio with Sagittarius placements, the Sagittarius will ghost you. They're just gone. You don't know where they went. You, you don't even know if they ever really existed. Okay. But a Scorpio is going to repay the favor in a way that you will never see it coming ever. Okay. So if my theory is correct, that Rick wins in the end, he puts her on a plane and he tells her goodbye. There's Scorpio right there. Okay. Death and rebirth. You go and deal with what you did. But in the situation with a Capricorn, okay, a Capricorn, dark side Capricorn wants you to know they're doing it. They want you to know they're doing it and that you can't do anything about it. You follow me? Mm -hmm. So in this situation, I feel that Rick was very good in the way that he did this. He he repaid everything. He he took care of Laszlo. He believes in what Laszlo is doing. I think he is respectful of Laszlo in this situation. And he can't go to America. So maybe Laszlo can help America, you know, and he takes care of the whole Ilsa thing while he's doing it. I don't ever think that Ilsa was doing these things like she plotted it. I think she was just going with whatever thought she had at the moment to, you know, get what she wanted to get because she feels she deserves it because <laughs> she's pretty. <laughs> so I don't know, but, um, you know, there it is. It's just an opinion. That's all. It's a thought. It's a different way of looking at it. That's, that's what I say. Uh, are there uh, any other uh, impressions that you have of the film, of the film, of the characters, uh, anything else that you want to talk about? I think we've pretty much said it all. If you have not seen Casablanca, please. I love this movie. 
even with my opinions of what I, I see play out, I adore this film. So please see this film if you have not. And if you have seen it, like Chandler said, see it again, because it, you can watch it all the times that you want. And it's always going to be good. Yes, absolutely. Um, it, it, I think uh, when they did the 100 years of film, uh, Casablanca was number two of, of the greatest films of all time. Uh, I don't remember what the what the first one was, maybe Gone with the Wind. Um, but uh, yeah, this is uh, one of the greats. And and not like um, like 2001 A Space Odyssey is cool and all, but I don't know if I need to see it uh all the time it's uh once you get past the monkey part um <laughs> uh, it's pretty boring um in many places um but this is not boring you will not be bored uh, this is uh one of the great movies that you could introduce uh young children to uh because um uh, how quick it is how fast mm-hmm. it is and how funny it is mm-hmm. uh it, it's uh it's just and and the action it it's uh, it's got it all. It's got comedy, action, romance, um, exotic locales. Um, it, it's 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 one of the great movies of all time. It is absolutely. I love it. I love Ingrid Bergman. I love her portrayal. I love Humphrey Bogart. I love everybody who's in it. I love all the characters. Even even with me, you know, really going to dark side with Ilsa. I still love Ilsa, and I understand what she's doing. I get it. You know, but it is a little bit concerning to me that so many people think this way when, you know, to me, it's clearly this way. (laughs) So I don't know. Uh, well, that just about wraps things up uh, for this uh, sort of unique episode of History in Retrograde. Uh, we'd like to uh, thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to reach out and support the show, we have all of the links to our social media posted in the show description, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We are posting new YouTube videos, uh, or uh, they're new videos, but they're of our first season episodes uh, every week. Uh, so if you'd ever like to follow along, uh, Mom uh, moves the cursor around to show you uh, what she's talking about, what she means by a seventh house placement and all these things. Um, uh, Please uh, go and check out our YouTube channel. uh, uh, Subscribe. uh, Hit the notification bell. All those good things uh, help us uh, in uh, growing uh, the show and growing our audience. There are people uh, who are coming now to the audio portion because they found it on YouTube. So uh, we're so grateful to all of you. Um, So uh, please... uh, go ahead and and take a look at our YouTube channel. We also have shorts uh, that are easy, uh, digestible bits to share uh, with all of your friends uh, about your favorite podcast. Um, And uh, also, we have a link to our PayPal account. Every little bit helps us in producing a better quality show and in expanding our audience. And if you would like to be your very own Mystery History guest, we can make that happen. Uh, We have an email uh, link. uh, Just uh, type in Chandler's Mom at History and retrograde.com and mom can get with you about all the details on how to get your chart read chart of that special someone uh or uh, even that four-legged someone <laughs> that's absolutely true i do love doing charts for everyone and everything so i love doing charts for your pets i love i really really love doing children's charts because as a parent it really helps to know where the placements are for your child so it's really helpful to know where all the boundaries are 
and how you can get to the best things to happen that you want everything great for your child. Um, I would like to say that if you go to www.historyandretrograde.com, all of our social links are there. And there's also a link to my email that you can just push it and, and email me. You can get to YouTube, you can get to Instagram, you can get to Facebook. And um, we're very excited to hear from you and hear your opinions. I'm a little concerned about what you might say about my opinions, but I do respect them, whatever yours are about mine. And uh, I look very much forward to doing your chart. I have so many charts coming up. It's so exciting. So um I, I can't describe how fun it is to visit with all of you and talk about your charts and talk about your transits. And some of you talk about your synastry, which is you with another person. Um, it's very exciting. And please, please, if you don't do anything else today, please go to the YouTube channel and push subscribe and hit the little bell for us because the sooner we get to a thousand subscribers, the sooner we can get, I don't know what, Chandler, like a nickel? <laughs> it would be a very fun to get a nickel. nickel. A whole nickel. So if you guys want to make sure we get a whole nickel, please subscribe. That would be lovely. Thank you. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, as always, in conclusion, as long as your houses are in order and the stars are aligned, everything will be just fine. Everything is going to be just fine. Thank you all so much for listening. We love you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. Here's looking at you, kid. <laughs>